When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Fabio Carrique, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Another week in Colts minicamp is upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Blue Stable Podcast. I am Michael Pivia. As always, you already know what it is. Destin Adams is joined by us, and we are also joined by the lead writer of the Blue Stable. Zach Shankerman, man, welcome to the Blue Stable Podcast. I believe it is your first podcast or your first appearance on the show. What's up, man? It is. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. Just living, living the dream, honestly. Just very thankful to be on. And Destin's here. We already know about him. So anyways, guys, so, well, Destin, introduce yourself, of course. We, we could have new viewers to the, to the show, so introduce yourself. Yeah, I'm Destin Adams uh, here all the time, basically to corral a lot of Michael's thoughts um, because you guys knew everything that was going through this dude's mind. You'd hit unsubscribe right away. Uh, But we just wanted to throw out that we're missing Marissa and Shad. I don't remember the last time me and Rashad were on the show together. And I feel like I've said this for a while, but we don't hate each other, guys. I promise. Me and Rashad are very, very good friends. We talk daily. Um, we just, for some reason, can't be on a show together. I don't know what's going on, but we're gonna we're gonna all three be back together soon. He's living that Hollywood lifestyle. That's that's what's going on. I mean, Zach always, man. Rashad Rashad blew up this off season. You've seen he it. Did. He everyone did. Li- everyone listening has seen it. Um, he's not too cool for us yet, but he, he's approaching. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I've literally received DMs like in the past, like even this off season, asking me if Destin and I hate each other. Like it, it, it's at no the comment. most randomest times. It's at the most randomest times. I'm just like, no, we're not. I don't know where that came from. Oh, I saw y'all beefing on Twitter. I'm like, I wouldn't even call it beefing. Like what is going on here? But anyways, guys, we're not here to talk about days of our lives, our relationship problems between myself and Destin Adams. Okay our brotherhood problems. We're not here to discuss that. We talk with Zach about that on the side as well. We go to therapy together, but Destin, you did mention 
you know, I might push people to unsubscribe. That's actually what we don't want you to do. If you're watching right now, before we get into everything, what if we would continue to please push you guys to hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, comment down below and chat with us. Tell us what you think about any point that came up in this show. And this is the Blue Stable Podcast. Some things get said, some arguments happen, and we still love each other and the Colts at the end of the day. So let's get go ahead and get started, guys. Mini camp obviously started this past week. We are recording here Tuesday night. Started yesterday, obviously. Let's open up with the big news. Kenny Moore is at uh, officially at Colts mini camp. He was, you know, sitting on the sidelines in the non-mandatory OTAs of the offseason. He was there. He was present. He was engaging with the coaches, engaging with the players, just wasn't on the field practicing. Now mandatory has come around, and he shows up. It was reported that he was at the facility for his physical prior to mandatory minicamp, and so is Yannick Ngakwe, who was absent from all of off-season activities. He was down in Florida doing his job. He was working. He was training, doing all that he needs to do, okay? So let's open it up. Destin, I'm actually going to start with you, man. Kenny Moore, you know, the situation with his contract and everything, we're not going to get in too much on the contract side of things, but it is a welcome sight to see, you know, the early groundwork be laid for a potential holdout, and that holdout does not come through. Kenny Moore is at practice, and he is playing, and he's participating in a in a year introducing a new scheme, new coaching staff. How impactful is that going to be? Yeah, I just want to start out with saying, like, the voluntary hold um, holdout of, like, voluntary OTAs didn't really mean much to me. Um, it just just because, like – does it matter if like veterans are there anyway? I mean, even at the mandatory mini camps right now, most notable players are going to be out there. They'll do their position group workouts, but they're not going to really be doing much seven on seven. They're definitely not going to be in the 11 on 11s. There's just no reason to risk anything. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is on a rookie contract. He's not grieving with the Colts and he was out there today, but didn't do a lot of the 11 on 11, seven on seven type things. Um, Kenny Moore was out there. He did do his positional group things. Um, And then other than that was off to the side, like a lot of um, vets were. Um, But yeah, I was never really that worried about it. Um, I, you don't see a lot of these contractual disagreements with Colts players often. We see it elsewhere um, in the media, but you don't really see Colts players beefing about their contracts much. So it was interesting to hear. Um, and it was an interesting situation because he got paid recently. Um, but it was good. To, it was good to see him out there. Kind of shush some of those people down a little bit, mostly Titans fans in my mentions um, talking about it. Um, but it is good to have him out there and hopefully um, the contractual issues can get pushed off a little bit and we can get ready for football. And uh, sorry, uh, yeah, with Kenny sitting, it was more like a sit-in, I would say, because I feel like he was really just just not participating in the practice. He was interacting with his teammates and his coaches, right? But just to and have he him was out there. there. He was there he on was the there. side. He was there. And I just don't think this should come as much of a surprise, especially when he changes agents too, right? Like that's usually what happens when a player changes agents. They get a new they want a new contract, right? So just to have him back out there, um, it's a really nice sign. And 
honestly, I'm not surprised that he's participating because, you know, the fines are like 50,000 for each day you miss a mandatory mini camp. So it's just going to be too expensive for him to miss at the end of the day. And it's just nice to have him back on the field. Hey, man, just like my old coach in high school said during class, fake it till you make it. And that's what I see Kenny Moore is doing. Like Dustin said, he's in the positional drills off to the side, really uh, in a lot of stuff. And I know there's been a lot of talk on Twitter about, oh, man, can Kenny Moore's absence, if he holds out, is that going to affect guys like Michael Pittman's growth, like Alec Pierce's growth, Ashton Doolin's growth, like you have nobody to play the slot. That is bogus. That is wrong. You can push Isaiah Rogers to the inside and put Brandon Fashion on the opposite end outside. You can throw Kari Willis in there. You can throw Rodney McLeod in there. You can throw Nick Cross in there. Like the, the team is deep. And that's one of the biggest things that I've admired about Chris Ballard's approach this off season that he created so much depth in the secondary where we haven't seen a lot of depth in the last 10 years. We haven't seen a lot of it. So I'm not worried about it at all. I mean, so why why is that even – so I, I saw it too. So Michael's not wrong. That is a topic being discussed. Yeah. Or if these guys are on the sideline, or is that going to hurt these receivers? Th- these practices aren't even contact practices. I mean, it, it's basically like if you guys are on like TikTok and all that those things and you see like the walking football things where you have to like walk and the defender's right there and you're all walking everywhere. It's, it's like that type of work right now. It's good to be there. First and foremost, the playbook, learning all those things, running through those schematical issues like that, like those are big. And we've not had that for a quarterback. And we've, as everyone here listening knows and everyone here knows, um, the Colts had to know a thing or two about a new quarterback now. <laughs> um, in the last three years, we've not had that opportunity to have this quarterback in place for these going on because of COVID protocols. So now we're getting to do that. It's important that everyone's here and it's mandatory for a reason, but, but it doesn't matter. We're, no one's going 100%. Training camp, we're not even going to really see the top dogs going hard in training camp. Training camp, when you're going to see the 110%ers, is going to be the guys on the fringe of the roster, like these receivers that are going to be battling for those like four to six, maybe seven. Who knows if they keep seven receivers again? <laughs> hey, all, all those guys, they're going to be battling. These DBs, they're going to be battling. The D-line, those guys. I don't care. I'm not worried about Michael Pittman. I'm not worried about Kenny Moore. I'm, I'm just not. Yeah, I don't know why it's a topic of conversation. I mean, if you're if you're just trying to create conversation, I could see it. At, but but at the end of the day, if we're being realistic, what are we really doing? It's mandatory. The biggest thing you're doing is just understanding the scheme. That's really it. Yeah. And and I do think and I do understand that. The NFL is taking a different approach in how they do offseason activities because we've seen a lot of offseason and training camp injuries where were these star players doing something that they truly needed to do. Like even last year, unfortunately, J.K. Dobbins Dobbins running back for the Baltimore Ravens, his place was already cemented on the team. And he's playing in a preseason game. Did he really need to be doing that? Like that could be another approach that, uh, that the NFL could be taking. At the same time, so like Dustin said, even in mandatory just for the sake of showing up, that's great. If you're not in 11-on-11 or 7-on-7, why do I care? It is 7-on-7. It's made for the quarterback and wide receiver to elevate their game, to show off. That's literally what it is. So real quick, ad-libbing off what Mike said. If you guys were a head coach in the NFL, do you play any high notable players in the preseason? Hell no. No. 
Not no. even a snap. Not I even wouldn't. a chance. I, okay, we're on we're on the same page. I they understand. don't even come to the stadium I, on game day. I understand young players in a sense. Um, the rookie players, okay, I get that. Second year players, depending on the talent level, I understand it. If if you're a guy that is a lock to be in the starting role, going and you're not a rookie, I, I'm not playing. If I was a head coach, you wouldn't play a snap in the preseason. You just yeah. wouldn't. it's pointless. Let the guys battle out who are wanting to um, earn jobs. Because the other cool thing about this, um, and I don't know about cool is the right answer, but for J.K. Dobbins last year, all those guys that are playing on the defense, ninety percent of them are guys fighting for roster spots. And you know how those guys are going to make roster spots by killing dudes. Like like they're just out there flying at a hundred miles an hour trying to earn a roster spot. I'm not putting Jonathan Taylor out there so some fifth string linebacker can try to earn his cred on a on a roster. But not that's even just Naheem though. Hines. Not even him. No. It'll be like Tyson Williams and uh who's the guy that's Philip Lindsay, right? I mean, those yeah. are the kind of guys we'll probably be playing, right? Hey, Philip, Philip Lindsay can have 30 carries if he wants. Yeah. Yeah. So, and back uh, to the point of Kenny Moore being uh, absent for OTAs. I mean, it also gives Gus Bradley, who's our new defensive coordinator, some different, some different like uh, personnel alignments, right? You can play around with different players. You can have Kenny Moore and, or not Kenny Moore. You have Isaiah Rogers on the inside, Rodney Thomas. You could maybe move him around too. The guy we drafted from Yale. I mean, there's just so much he can do while Kenny Moore's out. And then when Kenny Moore comes back, we're going to be in a better position for it because, oh, now we know Isaiah Rodgers can kick inside if we need him to. Or we know he – there's just allows you to be more versatile, and there's nothing There's nothing bad about that. I mean, the Colts like, – Kenny Moore's probably going to get a, a raise from all this, so all, all the better. Right? I, mean, I mean, the Colts, like, triple-dipped into the safety market, too. We, got, we yeah. have, like, 12 safeties on the roster. Yeah. I, I'm still a firm believer the reason we did that was because uh, – of a certain mullet that was in the backfield last year. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> they have enough players if they could move them around if they want right now. And plus, I, I just see Howard this as, as I, by that. I just see it as no big deal. He's a yeah. veteran. He just needs to learn the scheme. Exactly. And at this time of the year, do you really need to be on the field to do that? No. Get no. in the film room. Get with Ron Miles. Get with Gus Bradley. Get with those guys. Like, and he already is. As a vet, <laughs> do that. Like, what am I tripping because Kenny Moore doesn't have a helmet on? No, he's a vet. Why does he need yeah. to? Another vet that we actually need to discuss is Yannick Ngakwe, who was absent from, of course, like I said, at opening the show, he was absent, but he is now back again. Uh, even a bigger no big deal than Kenny Moore's situation. He's played in Gus Bradley's system his entire career. He already knows what his job is. He knows how the scheme works. So why does he need to be here? He's already in, in Florida just training. Why does he need to be here? He's been with Gus Bradley since he entered the league. He knows what his job is. He knows every play of his playbook. When, when it matters most is now, when it's mandatory, when you get to training camp. That's when I want to see Yannick Ngakwe. That's just my two cents on it. We don't have to stay long on this. I mean, he's, he's even been in Indy multiple times since the deal went down. He obviously went down for, like, the signing and everything that had to take place. But um, I believe, and don't quote me on this, let me know in the comments if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was reported that he was one of the few vets that was in the that was in the building during rookie minicamp, um, just working in Indy a little bit before he headed out to Florida for some more intensive training that he did during this voluntary area of work. Um, so, yeah, and like you said, he, he knows the playbook. He, he's been with Gus multiple times. He's had success with Gus at every – Every single turn that they've been together in their career, he knows what role he's going to be in. It's an easy transition. 
if Chris Ballard approves it, I'm cool with it. Right. Like that, like people who know what they're doing, their jobs are literally football. They're allowing Yannick to go do his training in Florida. Right. That's I mean, Yannick's earned that he's a very well-respected player in the NFL and he's earned his dues. I think he's completely fine to go work out in Florida. If that's what he feels like is best for him. Ultimately. Support for the Blue Stable is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their new product out, the Performance Package 4.0, is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you guys. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BSTABLE2 at manscaped.com. Remember, that's be stable too. And real quick, before we jump into the show again, it, it's beneficial to have Manscaped, in my opinion. I mean, their their products are off the chart. Me, I'd never used it. I didn't even probably know it existed until I did my research. Ordered a quick something, something. You got a nice toiletry bag, nice leather. They also have new products out. They have a deodorant out. Scent of refined. I wear it to work. Like it is great. It's better than me personally better than degree and i use degree but not anymore because i use that because it's for work doesn't smear doesn't do anything like that a nice little trimmer with an led light lets you know it's on you got a nice little nose trimmer as well destin says he loves that so make sure you go to manscape.com and use get 20 percent off with the code be stable too now what is also in support is fast recovery and that's what we like here at the blue stable guys julian blackman Unfortunately, Torres ACL before the Achilles. Titans game. Or Torres Torres Achilles ruptured his Achilles before the Titans game. That was in October. It is June, early June, and he's already back on the field. Not even just back on the field. He's doing drills, positional drills. He's been elevated to 7 on 7 work. He's doing backpedaling, quick backpedaling for a guy who just ruptured his Achilles backpedaling is like in my understanding with you know sports medicine sports training sports recovery backpedaling after an achilles injury is a major step that takes place in like month 10 in the recovery process he's in like month six and he's already on track to be good to go when the season starts hopefully and he's already back on the field elevated to seven on seven obviously our guys uh that have been at, at Colts camp. Obviously, I want to uh, credit these guys, Zach Kiefer, Joel Erickson. These guys have been on top of that at OTAs all day, all day long, and they are reporting great. So I want to give their credit where their credit is due. Guys, Zach, I'll start with you here, man. Julian Blackman, and he is probably my favorite safety, probably yeah. my favorite secondary player in the whole secondary. I love him. And I, and I was, my heart was warmed when I read this. Yeah. So what is your reaction to Julian Blackman rapidly getting back on the field after such a horrific injury? So I think Colts fans need to let this sink in. Like before he comes to Indy, he tore his ACL at Utah, right? He plays lights out, like better than anyone could have expected. And probably the Colts, to be honest, too. Then he, he continues to play well. And then he has the Achilles. And now we're in month six, right? Like you said, we're in month six of his recovery. And Nate Atkins today, shout out Nate Atkins of the Indy Star. He tweeted, 
Blackman out there in seven on seven drills and moving what looks like full speed, faster than most of the vets, and displaying his usual radiant energy. Just to hear that kind of report after a guy who's been through so much physical pain and also mental pain too, it's just so great to see him recover so quickly and have the mental wherewithal to kind of sounds like he's back to being Julian Blackman. And that's, that's great. I mean, I think this year with uh, Gus Bradley, his ability to be a single high safety looks, I think this is just going to be a great, great year for him. And it's awesome that Julian Blackman is feeling better. Yeah. I mean, fast recovery is just part of his nature, I guess. Um, when he was drafted, like Zach kind of touched on the expectation was for him to be in practice by November. He was playing on the field by October. Um, I believe it was like mid late October, but still he was on the field, not just practicing. He was in game in October. You mean in uh, his rookie year? Yes. No, he was playing by the second week. I believe it was October. I could be wrong with like the exact timeline. I think it was um, week two. He was already on the field against Minnesota. Week two. Like I, I think said, you're though, right. Yeah. Fat, Julian Blackman's mantra: fast recovery. He's ridiculous. Now um, that was coming off an ACL um, before going into his rookie year. The Achilles are a little bit interesting. Um, ACLs nowadays, it just feels like if you're a great athlete you almost get all of it back. Um, it used to be ACLs were devastating injuries and you would see guys take forever to become who they are again. Um, in the NFL nowadays, especially the medical staffs that have been working on it and researching have found a lot of ways to get guys back. Achilles is, it, it, that's one of the tougher ones right now. Guys, guys get Achilles injuries and it's devastating when it happens because it's just one of those things where are they going to come back the same? Um, we've seen running backs. We've seen linemen. Um, the Colts, for whatever reason, have have went all the way in on Achilles injuries. We saw that last year with however many we had rehabbing Achilles at the same time. So maybe they uh, learned a thing or two in that process, and that helped them with the Julian Blackman era. For him to be already practicing, I was expecting um, them to want him to be in practice by training camp, hopefully be ready to play by week one. For him to be already on seven on seven, that's kind of ridiculous. Um, because positional drills, like those are pretty light work. Um, you're going to run through it a little bit, but it's not something that is intensive. So like him being in positional drills in mini camp wouldn't have been like the craziest thing. It's still fantastic, but it wouldn't have been like, wow, to be on seven on seven right now in legit backpedaling, covering receivers, you're not in contact yet, but you're in coverage. That's crazy. Um, it's June. Um, it's a good sign for training camp. And I, I want to, put this disclaimer out there julian blackman is making it look easy to come back from acl achilles injuries pretty significant injuries no it is not this is not the case with every player in the league i mean julian blackman by our good graces our prayers knocking on wood always for him he he's doing it i'm not sure if it's how he trained when he was growing up how he took care of his body the nutrition that he puts in. I do know strength and nutrition is getting more, much more advanced, especially in college, because they they specifically very detailed oriented in what they give these athletes nutrition-wise, how they start the recovery process in the offseason, even if it's not an injury. If you're just simply banged up, how do you do that? And I, I, I've been doing a lot of digging into that. It's quite fascinating if you actually don't go on YouTube you you think you you learn a lot 
I'm not going to go into full detail on this show, but it's a lot of things that nutrition and recovery, the science of it all is taking on a whole new impact in sports today. And you see it sometimes, like Dustin said, ACLs used to be the career ender, the career altering injury. And that's not so much the case anymore. Thankfully, again, Julian Blackman is back on the field, but I just want to put it out there. Like this is not the norm for guys with Achilles injuries. This, this does not happen very often. And before we end on that note, like, you know how much mental toughness that would take to recover from two major surgeries, like, or two major injuries like that so early in your career, like that, that should not be, let's be, let's be, let's be thankful how young he is. And let's yeah. be thankful how crazy of an athlete he is. Yeah. Um, because the Achilles, sure. especially the Achilles element right now, um, because the ACLs, I mean, it used to be really awful. Um, Adrian, the Adrian Peterson year happens where he recovers from the ACL, wins the MVP, all that jazz happens. Um, but before they, that Adrian Peterson year, the ACLs, like Michael said, like, it could be a career ender. It was like, when that happens, you're like, will I come back? The Achilles right now, like that's kind of what's going around. Like they're trying to figure out ways to recover from that faster. Um, and let's hope that we're able to elevate that and get there um, in the NFL. Um, not just for Julian Blackman's case, because we've seen so many Marlon Mack um, had that hurt his career. Malik Hooker, former Colt safety that kind of ended his time in Indy was an Achilles. And there's been so many others. They're not even in Indianapolis. So Let's just hope that this Blackman um, recovery is the, the beginning. And um, we're hoping and knocking on wood for uh, no setbacks in minicamp. Hey, man, and you're forgetting the most important thing. He's a Utah Ute. Any Utah Utes out there, make sure you comment, like, subscribe to the Blue Stable. Here we go. Utah Ute, we are a Utah uh, stable channel now, okay? No more Indiana Hoosiers, no more TCU Horn Frog. Hey, watch, watch the Indiana Hoosiers. Destin oh, Lord. Okay. Yeah, all right. We already started talking. We Indiana can talk Hoosiers about now. Michael McFadden if, if you want, Michael. <laughs> okay, all right. We're moving on. We're moving on here. Uh, another interesting thing that we're going to talk about is something that was actually put out there on Twitter. We're actually going to talk about it on the show right here, okay? How many Colts by the end of 2022. I think I think we're forgetting one big thing from minicamp real quick before oh, we go on. Yeah, oh my gosh. I think we're forgetting the report did come out today. Darius Leonard did end up having oh. back surgery. It's pretty it's a pretty big one. Oh, and I, Lord. And it, it's a sadder comment. So I understood you wanted to go over it and miss it. Um but my, my thoughts on it are gonna be quick. Um, if this was training camp, I'd be more concerned. It's June. Um, he seems very high spirited about it right now. I don't know if you guys saw his personal posts about it. Um, I know Pat McAfee had a segment today saying that this surgery is awful news. Um, he, re- he responds to that saying, Pat, I promise you this is great news. Call me, buddy. I can give you all the details. And then commenting just flat out on his surgery today, Darius said, surgery went well, feeling amazing and ready to get back going. If you know me, you know I always come back way better than I was. Let's go, man. Ankle feels amazing. That's a really important line. Um, ankle feels amazing and can't wait to get back moving. Thanks for the texts and calls. It's June. 
I think this is going to be all right. And let's kind of hope that the back and ankle situation, they could have been connected a little bit. Maybe what was causing some stress on the ankle has to do with whatever has been hurting his back. And maybe it was a posture thing. It could be a lot of things. The body is a crazy world. So I'm hoping that they were connected in some light and this back surgery can help those things down the line. That's how that's the optimist in me where I'm going with it. It's June 7th when we're recording this. I'm not all that worried. The the ankle affecting the back doesn't sound right to me, but I'm not the a medical back affecting so. the ankle or the back effect. I, I regardless <laughs> tomato tomato. I, I don't care. Vice versa. I'm not a medical professional, so I don't know what how to how to answer that. Uh, I'm gonna go with Darius. I'm gonna go with the medical professionals. That if it was a great thing, then it it was a great thing. We don't know the details. We don't know the details around that phone call between Pat McAfee and Darius Leonard if there was one. But I have a little bit more concern. I mean, we're, we're saying that it's in June and we don't know what the problem was, but how many surgeries and procedures has Darius Leonard had already? And how old is he? Fair point. Like, uh, like they're stacking like, up. This is, this is starting to get concerning a little bit. And he plays linebacker, one of the most, if not the most physically embracing positions on the field. And yeah. The ankle was supposedly cleaned up last offseason. Guess what? Never got cleaned up. It was a lingering issue all year. He fought through it, but he's young. Is he going to be able to fight through it 40 years from now, knocking on wood that this issue is gone? Now it's the back. It's like one thing stacked on top of another. Like first it was concussions, and he was, you know, thinking, I don't want to misquote it, but he was having thoughts about things. And now it's the ankle that's been lingering through his career. Now it's now it's back. This is our, I'm more concerned the destinies for, for not for the season for his career. I'm more concerned in that aspect because at such a young age, how many procedures has he already had? And I'm hoping this is it. I'm praying that this is the last procedure he ever has to schedule. So. You know, it's not something to talk too much on until we get to training camp and we get more medical updates on and see where he's at. Uh, clearly, he's not going to be playing preseason like he was before this announcement, but that, that's all I have to say about that. I am a lot more concerned than Destin is, but it, for his career, not this season. Yeah, I think it's important that Darius feels optimistic because obviously, you know, that's the most important part of this. But again, even going back to when we talked about Kenny Moore missing out, right? This just gives guys another opportunity. And we saw it last year in Arizona with EJ Speed, right? He played phenomenal. Not just good, he played phenomenal. So to give him more run even, maybe even in the preseason, maybe he's a guy now that in Darius Leonard's absence, if he has to miss maybe one or two games. I mean, right now they're saying he's not missing any games, but maybe if he misses one or two games and EJ Speed plays really well, then you trade him or, you know, you have, you have more depth, you know, I just, it just gives, gives guys an opportunity, which is never a bad thing as long as they show up and play well. Right. Yeah. I mean, I I don't think there's too much to harp on right now until we get true, true updates about where this is going. Obviously we're talking about it now. All we know is that a procedure was done. Uh, The Colts are not going to release what the details of that was, why it was, it, it was scheduled they're not going to release that. Darius is going to talk about that maybe when we get to training camp. 
We're going to talk about that at some point during the season. So uh, other than that, that's really all we have to say. We don't have any medical information. So there's really not much. Uh, there's no reason to continue to speculate about it, about what it could or could not be. So uh, again, we're knocking on wood, praying for you, Darius maniac. Hopefully you're out there by week one. If you're not, I just hope and pray that you are 100% healthy, regardless of football. So uh, back to what I was about to get into before jumping this, uh, this topic. How many Colts by the end of 2022 are going to be in the top 10 of their respected positions? So, Destin, I'm actually going to start with you on this. I'm going to pass the mic to you, man. How many players do you think? Now, we don't have to get specific, but let's just start with the number and then get into the names are going to be top 10 by the end of 2022. Yeah, so this was a fun discussion on Twitter. If you follow us at the blue underscore stable on Twitter, um, we posted this today, got a lot of interactions, a lot of different answers. I went back and forth on a few things. I, I I really, really went into what Coach Reich and some others have said about certain players. Um, the number I ended up with is a little bit more optimistic optimistic than some. I'm, I'm going to say 11. 11? So our number. entire defense is top 10. So, I mean, that's not necessarily the names. We're going to get into the names after, but the number is 11 right now. That's what I got. Okay. Okay. Um, Zach, let me go to you, man. So, okay. So this is my thinking behind it. So last year we had seven pro bowlers, right? So I would say it's probably somewhere in the seven to 10 range. It just kind of depends, right? Like, so Zach, I think Zach Michael, meant seven to 11, I think. I think that's what he meant. <laughs> no, I, I don't, I don't think that's what I said there. Don't twist my <laughs> words there. Um, but anyways, yeah, I think adding guy like, well, adding a guy like Matt Ryan, you know, maybe he, if he can play up to his potential in this offense, like, I don't think we talk about it enough. He was an MVP in a similar type of offense. So if we can get him up into, I'm not saying he's going to be like the top of the top, but if we can get him into that top 10 range, Colts are going to be cooking. Um and the other thing is Quiddy Pay. You know, I think maybe he's a guy that if he takes a massive leap, which I really think he can. I mean, look at Max Crosby in Las Vegas when um, they had Yannick, right? Look at the leap he took there. So with that, I mean, Quiddy coming in this year, in year two, with Yannick on the opposite side of him and DeForest manning the middle, he's a top, I would say he's a top 10 interior D lineman easily. So or top five even, yeah, like Michael's pointing to there. Um, I think that it could – it really depends. It really depends on the development of other players. So so what, was, so what, so what was your number you are going to end on Yeah, here? what was the official number? I, I'll, I'll end on like eight or nine. I think we'll have three more top ten type players. Okay. So this is just for the team, right? Yeah. Yeah. So – I actually have 12. Man. I actually have 12. I don't really think that's that's too far-fetched if we're being honest, if we're being specific. There were were two others. So I said 11. There were two other guys that I debated 
So there, I had technically had the don't, don't even to be don't at 13. even say don't say you debated the one name that I think you're gonna say because there is not gonna be a debate. I mean, I'll don't say my it. names in a second, um, but but we'll see. <laughs> no, I, I swear, if you say my son's name, I'm going. Oh, you're to good. Leave. You're good. You're good. He's in my eleven. You're good. Okay. All right. Go go ahead, Destin. Let's go with your name. Okay. So the eleven that I have, I have Darius Leonard. Um, Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, DeForest Buckner. I think those are all pretty set in stone guys. Um, Kenny Moore, Ryan Kelly, Braden Smith. I think those that's seven. I think those guys are pretty locks in to be top 10 at their personal position. Um, Kenny Moore is being nickel corner. Um, Braden Smith being right tackle. Um, So not just tackle in general. Then some of the guys that I believe to get there, Gilmore is eight. Rigoberto Sanchez. I have I have him as nine. Luke Rhodes, I have him at ten, and I have Michael Pittman at eleven. Um, Michael Pittman is one that some would probably argue. Um, I'm really thinking this is going to be like I think he he took a way larger step than I imagined than Michael predicted this past year, and I think this year is going to be the I am Michael Pittman year. Like he, he's going to be a household name across the league. And I really think he can be a top 10 in his position. Now the two that I was considering, I didn't go with. So Ashton Doolin at Gunner. I didn't end up doing um, Doolin because of Frank Reich's comments recently that kind of make me think he's going to be stepping up more in receiver snaps. So I don't know if he's going to be the primary gunner anymore. I'm really, I really just don't think he will. We're talking about him as a gunner, right? Just want to double check that. Yeah, as a okay, gunner. Good, 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 I, good, I, okay. I was saying I was considering okay, okay, Ashton okay. Doolin okay. in the process of being a top ten gunner, and because I believe he's top five in the NFL when he's when he's used in that gunner role. So but, I wasn't thinking of gunner when I was thinking of these like. That's positions. That that that's a that's a position. On well, who thinks team. about Gunner in the NFL? Like if we're being if we're being legit, like I'm not trying to sound sarcastic. If we're being legit, like is it somebody, is it a position? Nobody, no. But I, I I get you. I'm just yeah. saying if you were if we were to go to to a national media media person and said, give me your top ten on everything, they would not put a Gunner. I understand that. I I understand that Gunner is not going to be like the sexy position. I mean, I included punter and long snapper on here, but that's their respected positions. I mean, Luke Rhodes has been an all pro long snapper. That's an all pro position. Um, And then, then you go and it's a special teamer technically. So just, Put another, but he's been an all pro. He's been a pro bowler. Um, Rigoberto Sanchez is a punter. It's their respected positions. And to me, a gunner is a position in the NFL that it happens. I mean, Doolin has had accolades from it. Um, George Odom, who's no longer um, in Indianapolis, played gunner for multiple years in Indianapolis and got accolades as well. Was an all pro even. Hey, don't so, forget uh, this past season, EJ Speed got votes for the all pro. Uh, uh, special teamer yeah so th- so there's right. definitely other guys that could step into that role and still be top 10 but because i don't know who is going to be it i left it off okay okay That's that fair. was definitely interesting i i, I just it, it kind of threw me off when i heard gunner i'm just like oh okay i i, I didn't know we were adding that because if we if i would have thought about that i would have added dueling there i didn't even add punter but i had to add sanchez there too so i just don't think about those positions that's what that was just my initial initial point 
I get it. I understand that I may have thought more than an average football fan on it. To me, it's just I, I, I was pretty passionate about it last year. We you love it. We love it. Camp, I was a part of keep seven receivers because special teams matters to me. So I understand it won't for everybody. But for me, I felt the need to talk about it. All right, Zach. Well, hit, hit us up, man. Hit okay. us up. Where are you going? So I definitely agree with Destin in having Michael Pittman on that list. Like, I think he's got to be your, he's going to be one of the top players on the Colts this year, especially with the offense that Matt Ryan, or excuse me, that Frank Reich's going to employ with Matt Ryan with all the in-breaking routes he's going to be doing. I think that's just going to fit his skill set so well. So obviously Michael Pittman, then Jonathan Taylor, because do I even have to explain it? Jonathan Taylor's going to do Jonathan Taylor things. Then Darius Leonard went healthy, obviously. He's number three. Um, Quentin Nelson, I'll put it like four, like for my fourth guy. And then um, Kenny. Kenny, you have to put a guy I think could step up. And I even tossed it out on Twitter the other day is I think Isaiah Rogers is going to outplay Stephon Gilmore. I legit think that. I am really high on Isaiah Rogers. And so just out of curiosity, you're saying you believe I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just, I'm yeah. just making a factual statement. You're saying you think Isaiah Rogers can at be the end of 2022 can be a top 10 outside corner. I think so. Okay. I just, I just wanted I to make so. it clear. I like it. I like the I, I'm a big believer in his athleticism and what he displayed last year. And now at the coaching staff, that's going to give him the green light to play a lot of snaps. And Ron Miles being there coaching him, John Fox, just you talk about the influence that's going to have, he's going to have around him and Rodney McLeod, just, there's just so many guys. They're going to have such an impact on uh, Rogers. I think he's going to be a guy. So that was my sixth guy. Right. And then um, who else would, I think Ryan Kelly, Ryan Kelly's definitely in that discussion. And then my eighth would probably be Matt Ryan because I think Matt Ryan's going to play really well here. I so, do. So you missed, you could have missed it on purpose, but so DeForest Buckner. Yeah. He would be on there. So okay. yeah. Nine. Yeah. So, so that's, so, so there's the nine. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I respect it. I respect it. Hey man. Yeah. Y'all already know how I feel about Isaiah Rogers. I really liked what I saw midway through his rookie year, 2020 playoff game against the Diggs had showed some really good talent on a couple of plays. If, if he my, if he's a top ten corner in the NFL though, oh we're sign me up. Contender. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're saying that right now. I I don't know if I agree with Zach at the end of twenty twenty two. I like the optimism, but if that's the step he takes, because I think Gilmore is going to be good this year. So if he's above Gilmore this year and he's a top ten corner in the NFL, just, I, it, I, it, I need I need to find a bookie let, right let's now. Let's see if he wins the starting outside job first. I, that that that's what I just want to say. Because hey, I'm yeah. all here. I'm all ears for Isaiah Rogers' season. I'm all ears. Like, don't get me wrong. But he was my guy to highlight last year. He played really well this year. I'm intrigued. Let, let's just see him win the job first. But also, I do like the optimism. Other, I do my like other line of thinking, too, is why would Chris Ballard feel so comfortable trading Rockies in, right? Like, Isaiah well, Rogers was going to be the top corner on this team if he didn't go out and sign Stephon Gilmore, right? So I, 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 I guess the only pushback to that comment would be 
I think when it came down to that, it was just you're getting rid of a corner for a top or an edge rusher, an edge rusher. So the positional value is going to like add into that. I agree though. Like they, like we said it when the trade happened, Mike, there was not a player that Chris Ballard has taken the time to give props to more than Rocky Ascend in his time in Indianapolis. There was not a player that Chris Ballard decided to say props about, even when no one else was. Two years ago, Rocky Sin's having a tough year. Chris Bauer would make a point to say positives about his game, and he's gone. I was shocked for that reason, but I think the edge rusher issue is what caused that more than anything. And that could be true. I'm just pointing out that, like, they obviously felt really comfortable choosing him over a guy they really like. So that's something to consider, I think. Okay. So I know originally I said 12. After considering the punter again, putting Rigoberto Sanchez in mind, I did add someone else. Now it's at 14. So let me just go ahead. I'll read off the obvious ones. Okay. I'll just obviously we already know Grover Stewart. I think he's a top 10 nose tackle already. Nose tackle playing the one tech. DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, Kenny Moore, Quentin Nelson, Jonathan Taylor, Braden Smith, Ryan Kelly. I think they're top 10 at their respective positions. Michael Pittman, even though he may have not been last year, he's going to be top 10 this year. I am claiming it right now on at 9.52 on June 7th, 2022. Michael Pittman is going to be a top 10 receiver in 2022. Argue with your mama, okay? Argue with your mama. Don't argue with me about it. it you will lose. So now getting away from the non-obvious, you know, obvious, I am going to put Matt Ryan in, in this discussion because I, 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 I not trying to like sound like, I guess you could say put myself up there, but I was on board with him coming to Indy before anyone else. I did saw in Destin, you have been can doing confirm. Can, can confirm Mike was Mike was well before anyone else. Like and, before it was even a thought that Matt Ryan could be traded. Right. Right. Um, and what Destin's doing on, on Twitter right now is he's going through his games from, from this past year, and he's he's seeing some stuff. And, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure he's already seen it, but just reviewing the film, I just remember seeing some of these games, seeing some of these throws, and especially look at his thread if you haven't already. Uh, his link to his Twitter is in the description below if you're listening on YouTube. So go to his uh, Twitter page and, and check that out. Give him a follow as well if you're not already. He, he gets the ball out so quick. And I can't just help but think in a Frank Reich offense that's designed to do that. Phillip Rivers was elite at it. Carson Wentz was not good at it. Matt Ryan coming here where he thrives on getting the ball out. I mean, go back to those games the year they went to the Super Bowl. Quick, fast, in a hurry. Got out to Roddy White. Got out to Taylor Gabriel. Got out to uh, Julio Jones. Under Kyle Shanahan, he got the ball out quick. And in Indianapolis, he's going to have a better offensive line than he did in Atlanta. I'll give Atlanta that year, obviously, the better weapons, but a better running game? I don't think so. Jonathan Taylor, Naheem Hines, Devontae Freeman? No, I'll, I'll take Jonathan Taylor. The tight ends probably got me at the tight end, still unproven there. But I, I still love where it is and where this offense can be projected, especially if Michael Pittman can, again, cement himself even more than he did in 2020. Matt Ryan can be a top 10 player. 
maybe statistically, if you don't truly believe just by talent, okay, I'm not going to argue there. But statistically, I think he could be top 10. Completion percentage, touchdowns, I'll take it. Statistically, yes. He could. I, I yes. agree there. Talent-wise, no. But statistically, like, yes. List yeah. of the top 10 quarterbacks, I think that will be – I'm not going to say – I don't want to say impossible because that just seems disrespectful. But it, it will be very difficult. And we're, we're going to be talking a little bit about this in a second on the next segment that we're going to. But uh, it, it would be hard for Matt Ryan to be a top 10 quarterback to me. So I left him off my list for that reason. Yeah. Statistically, you know, I'll say, I'll say he's there. But now yeah. we're going to get interesting because I don't think too many people are surprised by that because I've loved Matt Ryan for, I mean, ever since uh, January. So, yeah, not a lot of people are surprised by that. So okay, quick question for you, Mike, before we hop into the next segment. So do you think the attack front that Gus Bradley is going to employ hurts or helps Grover Stewart? It helps. It hurts. I would think it helps because I think he's you're, the player that hurts gonna, the most. Yeah. Well, uh, again, even if he goes down in playing time, it still doesn't take away what he is as a talent. Now, I know that wasn't the question, yeah. but it, I don't okay, know if so his. I don't what know would his you, playing what would you time. say by hurt? What, what, what do you mean by that? Because I think for Grover, he's such a such a run stopper that I feel like the attack front's going to force him to be in a role that he's not. His mind, his mindset selling. has to change the most. His mindset like, has I agree. to change. I agree with so. Zach because if you watch Grover's tape, he is just so, and and maybe the flu scheme just makes it look like that, and maybe we're both wrong. Maybe that's Very the true. case, right? But when you watch Grover on film you just see a very heavy run-stopping presence, which is what yeah. he's asked to do. Yes. Um, he, he, I mean, he's operating in that one-tech realm of things a little bit. Um, so that's where you see Grover play. And I just think in the attack front, and I, I've said it for a little while now, that of the guys on this defensive line who I think this scheme could hurt, it's Grover. Yeah. Um, I agree. If, if that mentality is not something he can adjust to well, um, because you can't have – the other three, four guys rushing um, with everybody going straight towards the quarterback and stopping the run if you, if you have to, and then have Grover not having that same mentality. Eventually, you would just <laughs> – a lot of people on Twitter are big Dio people. I, I think there's a, there is a situation, a scenario, where if Dio is who we think he can be, he takes those snaps because of this defense. Well, I, I'll say that, and, and that's a hypothetical. That's a big if. Uh, well, is it as big of an is a, if as I'm letting on? I won't take away a big if. I'll just say that's an if. Uh, as of right now, there aren't any. I would agree with you if there were viable options behind Grover. But who is behind Grover? Who? Um, maybe Dio, like, Eric Johnson was drafted. Curtis Brooks, but, but is that's a rookie. A guy. You're not, a, you're not going to expect too much from a rookie inside interior player. So, of course. so maybe Taekwon, but maybe he backs up Yannick and Gakwe. Well, again, all these guys are versus are versatile, so they can play in and out. But do I think it could hurt? Absolutely, I'll agree with you. Uh, is he a pass rusher? I think we established that like two years ago that he's not. But. In terms of stopping the run, I don't think Gus is just going to take Grover because, oh, well, if you can't pass, rush the passer, I can't. No, that's, not, that, that's just not how that works. You that's are fair. one of the best in the league at stopping the run 
So on first and second down, guess what? You're going to play and you're going to excel. Now that's in June. Let's come back again in October, November, and we will revisit this conversation, Zach. Uh, Getting back, getting back here. I think of obviously Rigoberto Sanchez. Let me put that one out there. Now the three ones that I think are going to excel Kari Willis as a strong safety. I think I I've loved him ever since he stepped foot in, in the league, you know, go back to his rookie year. And what was it? 2019 week one already week one. And that's when you had the injury to Malik Hooker he was already all over the field. He was already making plays. I believe that year you opened up the year against the Chargers. Malik Hooker had that great one-handed interception to the end zone against Phillip Rivers. But the next week against Tennessee, Kari Willis was seeing snaps. And he was already making plays. Like I, was just, I remember watching a play. And I actually remember the exact play. It was right zone right with Derrick Henry to the far Colts side of the sideline. He's running out, and I just see a safety zoom in and take him out. I'm like, who the heck was that? Kari Willis. And he's played really good as a strong safety. So I think he takes that leap again. Get, I mean, he already performed well, but so, Ron Miles coming in and then attacking, you know, he can play certain positions, but as strong safety, Gus Bradley, Ron, Ron Miles, I think Willis just takes that next step. So do you think he's brought back if that happens, though? Yes. You, you think the Colts would do it? Even so, so you're gonna push back on the the Nick Cross truthers right now. I'm not pushing back at all. Why can't you keep three really good safeties? Well, no, I'm not saying that, but the Nick Cross right. truthers are saying that Cross will take the strong safety position by like week eight. Like that's like a number I, that I've seen by a lot of people. It, I like Willis a lot. I like it, Willis a lot. Really I want to say that. Look, I, think I, I love very Nick underrated. Cross, man. I love Nick Cross. All this preseason hype, this offseason hype. I get it. Talent-wise, is Nick Cross superior to Kari Willis? Probably. Probably. But I think Kari Willis has done too much for our defense to just be pushed off to the side by Nick Cross truthers. Not calling out anybody's in specific. Oh, but, you're good. There's, there's a lot of them. I don't think yes, one person yeah, will yeah. feel attacked I'm, I'm here. Big, I'm big on let's give respect to these guys that have busted their ass and made plays. So right now, no, I'm, I'm not going to submit to Nick Cross truthers because he's not taking Kari Willis' job by week eight or by week 12. Kari Willis is I, a very good, strong safety. I agree with you in the sense because I don't think – I think for the most part, we're going to see Willis moved into the box more often than we're going to see him in the strong safety parameter anyway. So I don't think it like has to matter all yeah. that much. I don't know if I could go on the left and say, I think he's going to be a top 10 guy in that he, I realm. I think he's already free. I like top him. 10. I like him a lot. I like him a lot. I, I think, think he's, he's very underrated. Too. But 10, 10 is, mm, we're in a very deep safety NFL right now I will say we'll we'll be doing these position rankings and I will revisit this conversation when we talk about strong safeties Mm -hmm. strong safeties because and that leads me to my next guy Destin I've been on the record I think the safety duo is one of the best in the NFL and yes even after coming back from an Achilles I think this guy comes back and just continues to make plays and takes the next step Julian Blackman Right here, 
quote we mark marcus i know you're watching this make a youtube reel about this and we'll revisit this in february after we win the super bowl julian blackman is going to be a top 10 free safety by the end of 2022 book it i stand by my guys i love julian blackman and this isn't anything surprising because destin you know i've been on the record i love this safety duo i think they're one of the best in the nfl and we already know what duo has that best in the nfl that's in buffalo we already know that but i think these guys just take the next step and yes that is with nick cross being in town rodney mcleod being in town that doesn't take away anything from their talent and what they're gonna not be asked to do but what they can do when they play together because if i just have to guess i think willis and blackman are on the field week one i think they are so until something happens, I can't discuss McLeod or Cross when it comes to these two guys because they're the starters and they've earned those jobs. Regardless of draft selection, regardless of where they were in the Super Bowl four years ago, it's these guys. Getting to my last guy is going to be Bobby Okereke, who we just interviewed last week. If you haven't checked that interview out already, Bobby Okereke, join the Blue Stable podcast for an exclusive interview if you want to check that out check that out in the description below i I just he he grew so much in 2021 remember the year started out we were talking about anthony walker you know his presence being missed it was big he started to grow and grow and grow and i know when darius Leonard missed that christmas game we talk a lot about ej speed but we don't talk about enough about bobby okereke in that particular game because while EJ Speed was kind of tracking down Kyler Murray, Bobby Okereke was manning the middle and stopping the run in that game. He was manning the middle. Kyler Murray could not do anything in that middle. He was, he's just so athletic. And I think, again, with a great scheme coming in here that's going to change the assignments of these linebackers, they're not only going to be top 10, they're going to take another step. I mean, Darius Little, we already know he's good. But with Richard Smith and Gus Bradley – Imagine the next step he takes. And the same goes for Bobby Okereke. That's just where I'm at. So two situations. Both of those guys, Willis, who you talked of, Okereke, who you talked of, both in contract years. I'm just – I mean, I don't like to speak in definites, but I'm going to speak in one right now. No chance we sign both of them. Um, especially if your scenario happens where both end up top 10 to their position by the end of the year. So if you can only pick one, who do you let walk? Willis. I'll let him walk. You I let think, Willis walk. Okay. I, I think I keep my middle linebacker in Okereke. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe that's just a linebacker lover in me talking, but. I mean, that's fine. I, I was just saying if your prediction comes to fruition, they're both top 10 to their spots, there's just no chance that they're both back. I probably agree with you. Not bad. Hey, that's that's good. (laughs) But guys, again, like I said earlier in the show, get 20% off at manscaped.com when you use code BSTABLE2. Get free worldwide shipping and just use the best tools for the job. I I can't really say anything else. Go to their website and check all that they have and get 20% off, guys. Our last segments of, of this show, guys, and I know we've been running a little bit, but guys, Stick with us. It's the offseason. We got some things to talk about. We hey, there's a lot it. of football. Pause it. Pause it. Come back. Listen to it in doses. We can have long episodes if we want to. 
Yes, absolutely. And again, what else are we talking about, right? Like, we're going to save all these great shows when we get to training camp. But now we're going to start a series. Episode one of ranking the top 15 players at each position in this show. We're going to go with the two most important positions in football. Quarterback. Pass rusher. I'm not going to go first. I feel like I've been talking a lot the last 15 minutes, so I'm going to give the viewers a break from my voice, from my hideous voice. Zach, I'm going to start with you, man. Break us down in your top 15 quarterbacks. Yeah. Okay. So I think my list is going to surprise a lot of people. So at number one, I've got Patrick Mahomes. That's not a surprise. I think that's okay. he's kind we're, of good. The, we're good so far, Zach. We're, we're good so far. Um, I think he's kind of the unanimous one because he's so talented. And people really underrate the mental side of his game, too. He's such a smart quarterback as well. At number two, at number two, this is going to be someone that surprises a lot of people, Justin Herbert. I think Justin Herbert takes a huge step. Zach, I think your mic. Season. I think your mic went out. What was that? No, what was no, the name? No, I, I All said right, we lost Herbert. Zach for the show. Uh, remember to <laughs> tw- follow him on Twitter. Oh, oh, Jesus. Okay, so Justin Herbert at two. Keep keep it coming. Yeah, yeah, Justin Herbert at two. I'm a big believer in him. I think he can really, I think he can really be something next year. And I think he's a better natural passer than Josh Allen, who is my third quarterback. And Josh Allen's still a great quarterback. Like, there's no. There's nothing wrong with him as a quarterback. I like Josh Allen a lot. Not a great golfer, though, if you watch the match. Anyways, Aaron Rodgers at number four. And then Joe Burrow at number five. I think Joe Burrow's, you know, like in the Super Bowl, like he gave up. He took too many sacks. But I think he's just going to be uh, continue to learn. And I think he can eventually be one of the, the top guys One of the in that discussion with Mahomes, Herbert, and Allen. Um, at number six, I've got Tom Brady. Number seven, I've got Dak Prescott. Number eight, <laughs> number eight, I've got Lamar Jackson. Number nine, I've got Deshaun Watson. We lost Michael officially. Uh, yeah. Number ten, number ten, we've got Matthew Stafford. Number 11, I've got Derek Carr. Number 12, I'm kind of a homer. I'm going with Matt Ryan on this one. And then uh, number 13, Russell Wilson. I, okay, with Russell Wilson, I don't think people talk about this enough. His last two years have not been great. But I think in Denver, he can play good football again. So having Russell Wilson at 13 makes a lot of sense to me. But anyhow. So number 14, I've got Ryan Tannehill. And then to round my list out, at number 15, I've got Kirk Cousins. Destin, shut up. Get in the get in the court. Get in the court. Okay, hold on. I, oh, I, the okay, one, the on. one I, that I get, you're going to talk about is I not. I get too loud. I get too loud sometimes. So I'm, let, let me bring it down real quick, okay? You, I'm trying to get better at this, guys. So, Zach, you did do a trigger warning for Michael. You need to throw okay. in when you're going to overrank Cowboys players because Michael has a soft spot 
where he gets over irritated. Oh no, the there's like there's like five problems that I have with that list. But again, I'm I'm trying. Hey, to we're, get all gonna, we're all we're all going to give ours. I'm not. I'm, no, I'm, I'm trying yeah. to get better at not getting loud. You know what I mean? So you know what? It, it, it's Forget fine. about what so, I was just going to say, Zach. So just real quick, the, list. the only questions that I have. You said Prescott was at seven or eight, which was that? Seven. Yeah, seven. Oh, he said seven. So that was high. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I respect high. it. This is yours. The biggest problem that I had with any of it. I already know. I already know. You said Ryan Tannehill at 14. Yep. Yeah. So, and you had, and where did, I, I didn't hear you said Derek Carr. Uh, Derek Carr was at number 11. Okay. Okay. I had yeah. Matt Ryan. And the other one, you didn't say my five foot four, I mean, five, five foot 10 um, quarterback in Arizona, Kyler Murray. Yeah. I don't, I think he, he, oh, I'm not really saying well. he's great. I'm not saying he's great, yeah. but Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill. I think Ryan Tannehill. Like people sleep on Ryan Tannehill a little bit. Like two years ago, I know his his offense has completely changed, right? With yeah. AJ Brown's departure, but two years ago, and, and this also could be due to Arthur Smith being such a great play caller as well. But Ryan Tannehill was a top ten quarterback just two years ago. Who's to say that statistically? Year, statistically, right? Yeah. And talent wise, I think he's pretty. I would say he's pretty up there with like. Kirk Cousins, right? Like pretty even for the most part. Um, but yeah, I think with Ryan Tannehill, like I could see him. Now it's not like one of those things where AJ Brown, like if he had AJ Brown, I could see him maybe I could maybe even put Ryan Tannehill higher, but I didn't. So so I'm gonna nickname Ryan Tannehill Melatonin because I'm gonna keep sleeping on Ryan Tannehill. Okay. But hey. It's your rankings. Your rankings completely. I respect the Matt Ryan love at 12. I hope Ryan Tannehill is like way worse than the 14th quarterback because if he's way worse than the 14th quarterback, the Colts are going to win a lot of football games. Zach just pissed off almost every Colts fan listening to (laughs) Hey, hey, it's his rankings. It's his rankings. And I appreciate the boldness. I do. Um, My list is going to look a little different. I'm just going to run through them a little bit. And we can talk about them after, and I'll let Michael run through his. So, um, the the top five, I have the same names, different order than Zach's. I have Mahomes at one. I have Josh Allen at two. Well, Josh Allen did in the playoffs was just historic. Dude, dude had an unreal playoff um, experience, and he didn't end up going all the way. A coin flip hurt him, but he's at two for me. I think he's unreal. I think he's closer to being one than he is to being three for me. Three, I have Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVPs. I have him above these next two younger guys because of that. Um, until he does the fall off, I can't drop him down my list. At four, I have Joe Burrow. I give Joe Burrow the notch over Herbert. Um, I think both are talented on-field players. I, I think Herbert probably has more talent, but I think Burrow, the leader, and Burrow, just the mentals, is unreal. Just top tier level in this in the NFL. He turned around a team in Cincinnati that historically have a loser mentality and now they just Cincinnati has an entire swagger. They just adopted his entire personality. And for that reason he's at 4. I have Herbert at 5. At 6, um I have Deshaun Watson. I have an asterisk. We never know if he's going to be on the field again. When he's on the field, he's very talented. Um, he obviously has some things going on off the field that are just um, – you just don't hear about it a lot um, in the NFL circles, but that has to be taken care of. When he's on the field, he's the sixth-best quarterback for me. At seven, I have Lamar Jackson. At eight, I have Russell Wilson. 
At nine, I have Matthew Stafford. At 10, I have Tom Brady. At 11, I have Kyler Murray. At 12, I have Derek Carr. At 13, I have Dak Prescott. At 14, I have Matt Ryan. And at 15, I have Kirk Cousins. Okay, so we agree on Kirk Cousins. That's that's what I took away from that. <laughs> and Mahomes and Cousins. We agree at one and we agree at 15. Who cares about two through 14, right? Yeah, exactly. Kirk <laughs> Cousins is like the most average quarterback in the NFL. Like nine and eight guaranteed. Oh, I agree. Michael, what's your list looking like? Um, I'm I'm still recovering from Zach's. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm still uh recovering from Zach's because that was that was something. So let me go ahead and just give mine. This man had okay. Um, number one for me, I'm going Josh Allen. Number one for me, I think what he's been doing lately is greater than what Patrick Mahomes has been doing. The past two years, Josh Allen has transformed this franchise. Patrick Mahomes has as well, and he's transformed Kansas City as well. But what I just I, I see more greatness when I watch Josh Allen. Josh Allen has solid weapons. Patrick Mahomes had the privilege of having the best weapon in the NFL in Tyreek Hill. Now he doesn't have that. So when now now and he still has a great receiving core. Juju, Marcus Valdez, Scandaline. They drafted Sky Moore. They still got Kelsey. He's still going to be in good hands. But I want to see a Mahomes without the best gadget in football. I'll, we'll see how that gadget does for Tua. Don't know what that's going to look like, but he is not on this list, just so you know. I just love me some Josh Allen, man. I love him, and I love Patrick Mahomes for sticking it out, being a Mavericks fan, a fellow Mavericks fan. But usually that'd be enough for me to put him number one. I just see more in Josh Allen. I'm sorry. I, I I just do. He outplayed Patrick Mahomes in that playoff game. He outplayed. I really don't hate it. I really don't hate it. I think he's closer to being one to me than he is to three. It's just Mahomes has so many consecutive years of greatness to me that it's hard for me not to have him at one. But I think Josh Allen's a stud. Definitely, definitely. And I wouldn't even agree with your point or uh, argue with your – I'm sorry. I'm, I wouldn't even argue with your point either. But at number two – Patrick Mahomes is my number second rated quarterback. Number three, I still got to give love to Aaron Rodgers, man. He's still balling out. He's still making Green Bay relevant. If it wasn't for him, they'd probably be drafting top 10 uh, last year or this upcoming year. So got to give love to Aaron Rodgers. Number four, I'll go Justin Herbert. The dude is, that dude's special. That dude's special. He was one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch last year. Obviously higher than Carson Wentz. but I absolutely loved everything that I saw. The, the strides he made from one to two, years one to two, amazing. Number five, I'm going to go Joe Burrow. Obviously, we, we know what he did. Uh, clearly, he has great weapons, but sometimes that's just not enough. The ball placement that he put in these guys' hands was incredible. The throws he made in the Super Bowl were incredible when he had pass rush just in his face all game long. He makes checks at the line of scrimmage like he's a 15-year vet. And his accuracy is one of the best, if not the best, in the NFL. It, it, it's superb. 
At number six, I'm going to go Lamar Jackson. He took a step in 2022 or 2021 as a passer. Uh, usually I'd have him a little bit lower, but because he made those strides as a passer, I got to put him there. Obviously, we know what Baltimore became when Jackson unfortunately got injured. They missed the playoffs. But with Lamar in Baltimore, they are a contender for reasons. And he does it all. Runner, thrower, whatever the case may be. Number seven, I'm going to go Matthew Stafford. Got to give him love after playing, after winning the Super Bowl, made throw after throw. The throws he made in that Tampa Bay game was amazing. The clutch throw he made to Cup to win it was amazing. He made great plays in the Super Bowl. and He's been doing this. He just needed to get to an organization that knew how to build a team to, to show it off is basically what I'm trying to get to. Number eight, I'm going to go freaking Zach. I'm going to go Russell Wilson because he is still a great quarterback. Uh, a couple bad seasons with a bad team around you, I'm not going to hold that to you. Uh, he played a little bit hero ball, which resulted in interceptions, uh, bad throws because he had to. We've been watching Russell Wilson long enough to know that's not who he is, but because DK Metcalf isn't the shit that people try to make him out to be, that he tries to make himself out to be. He was playing with nothing, really. Whoa, Tyler whoa, whoa, was whoa, really whoa, his. Hold whoa, on, whoa, let me whoa, finish. Whoa, let me finish. There's no Tyler need. There's no need to drag DK I have DK the floor right now. right now, Mr. Destin and Quivius Adams, okay? Um, I, give, I give Destin a different middle name every single time I say his full name, so... They're never accurate either. Never <laughs> I don't even know. Honestly, what is your middle name if you want to put it in here, obviously? My my middle name is Alan, A-L-A-N. Um, and why I have the floor, I, I, I just don't see why it was ne- – DK doesn't talk much. D- DK is not even really on social media much anymore. What was the point of dragging DK right now? But I, I will say in, in Zach's defense with Russell Wilson, I think there definitely is an argument to be made that his play has been poor the last couple of years. Yeah. And we'll find out if that play had to do with how bad the offensive line was and how bad the defense was and how he had no help defensively where he had to score 30 to be competitive in games. But if he can't make it work in Denver where he's going to have an offensive line, he's going to have a defense, he's still going to have the weapons because he had DK and Lockett. That's a great two tandem there. We'll, we'll see what Wilson can be. But I still had him top 10 just because, we, we like you said, we've seen what Wilson can be. And not to linger on Russ too long, but, yeah, one of my concerns with him is obviously he's aging and the type of quarterback he is, he likes to run around. And, you know, with he's him – He's a baseball guy. Like, of course he, he's going to run around. Of course, but – my, my thing is, like, as he gets older, you know, and his play has declined, it's like, okay, is he a guy – because he used to – the Seahawks used to win because of Russ. Now I feel like he might be a quarterback you win with. You know what I mean? Not, not a guy you win because of, but a guy you win with. I, so I, I think – I wouldn't go there. but um, I think in Denver, I think they're going to win with him but I don't know if they'll win because of him, if that makes sense. So In real quick. his defense, I mean, all he has to do is be better than Drew Locke, right? Exactly. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. It's a pretty, pretty low bar to so, yeah. Before I continue my list, Zach, where, what, what, what was your stance in the offseason when Russell Wilson was available via trade? Because what you say, and obviously, unfortunately, we didn't have you on the show, so we can't go back and like get receipts like we can with myself yeah. and Destin. Yeah. But were you chugging the train? Were you leading the train to trade for Russell Wilson? 
I mean, I was interested, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm happy that Matt Ryan's our quarterback. I'm very happy that Matt Ryan's our quarterback. So whoa, okay, Zach turning it back around on me. Okay. Hey, I, I, I mean, we heard his he rankings. Won. He had Matt Ryan at 12 and you had Wilson at 13, right? Yeah. So yeah, so that Matt, tells you I, what it tells you. Matt to me is a pocket quarterback, right? And he as he'll age, his his style of play will continue to be sustainable in my view. So his his play style is reliant on his his mental ability and his years of experience. I mean, just I think Matt o- over time will be a more sustainable player. Now, if Matt Ryan was available at the same time Russell Wilson was, I definitely would have said Matt Ryan. But when Russ was available, it was a, it was it was a situation where I was like, okay, I think the Colts can win with him, right? We won as much as I dislike Carson Wentz. We won with that guy. Like we won, we won with Carson Wentz, right? We didn't make the playoffs, but we won with him, right? So with yeah. Russ, I feel like he's a guy you can win with maybe to a bigger extent, maybe to a higher level, but not, not the level that I think. media is our guy, uh, Marcus, is going to have these reels up and going when yeah. we get to the season because we're going to run back on all this. So yeah, yeah. I'm Marcus either going to look dumb, I'm going to look smart, or I'm just going to look plain old stupid. So yeah, not like I look stupid enough already. But back to uh, the list here because I feel like we got a little bit off track, but rightfully so, right? Now I'm going to number nine. I'll put Kyler Murray right here. I think his play dipped a little bit. Uh, felt like maybe he was a little too reliant on DeAndre Hopkins. You know, we judge quarterbacks. What can you create versus what do people create for you? And I felt like that's what 2021 was about with Kyler. He didn't create for a lot of guys. He needed guys to create for him. So I'm not going to sit here and say he has the greatest coach in Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, how he's an NFL head coach is beyond me, but, hey, all power to him. Uh, the offensive line was still shaky. They were dealing with injuries at the end of the year. So uh, I still think I see enough tools where I think he, he it warrants him being in the top 10. Now, going to number 10, I'm going to have Tom Brady. Got, got to put the GOAT in the top 10. Obviously, we can't have a top 10 list without the GOAT for all the reasons why. At his age. Not my GOAT. Not my GOAT. <laughs> right. At his age, still putting the ball where it needs to be. Still putting the ball where it needs to be. His arm strength does not look like it's lacking. Um, very weird scenario in the or situation in the offseason. I'm retired. There's rumors that I'm coming back. I'm saying I am retired, and then he comes back. Hey, it's his career. Do with it as you shall. Number 11, I'm going to go with Derek Carr. I love Derek Carr this offseason. Obviously, I would have wanted him. Uh, I've been on record that I wanted him, how good he is, how he is a fringe top 10 guy, how he's on that borderline. And I got to back that up by putting him at number 11, right? At number 12, Got our guy, Matt Ryan. I just think intelligence for a quarterback means a lot. And that's why I have him above Dak Prescott because of how intelligent he is at the position. And that's not a knock on Dak Prescott. Matt Ryan's been in the league a lot longer. And Dak Prescott had Jason Garrett and Mike McCarthy as coaches. So not a lot of intelligence in those two guys. But Matt Ryan's had a lot of great coaches and now he's with another one again in Frank Reich so he still puts the ball where it needs to be he has great strength great mobility 
checks at the line of scrimmage. Like I look, I'm, I'm repeating myself all the time in season when it comes to checks at the line of scrimmage, like I did with Andrew Luck, Phillip Rivers, Jacoby Brissett, Carson Wentz. I'm going to continue to speak on it because it is almost 50% of the quarterback position at the line of scrimmage. Number 13, like I just said, Dak Prescott, I dropped him a little bit because this year didn't look the greatest. Their schedule was weak. The defense they played sucked. I mean, come on now. Uh, the offensive line was solid. Their, the weapons were solid. C.D. Lamb, Amari Cooper's all right. Uh, obviously, Michael Gallup was, was great until that unfortunate injury. You had Cedric Wilson, had Dalton Schultz. I just think a, a, some dipped a little bit, as I expected, coming off a very, very horrific ankle injury in 2020. So kind of, you know, I called that a little bit with one of my Cowboy buddies. He was saying that Prescott's going to come back and lead him to victory. I said, hold on, Jack, don't you come back. He just had a horrific injury. I don't expect him to pop off in 2021, which he didn't do. Uh, so I have him there at 13. At number 14, I got Kirk. Cousins, uh, we, we all love third cousins, right? He's solid. Sorry. Oh, wow. Just hit my uh, laptop. He's solid. And that's probably a sign that we need to move off Kirk Cousins. Number 15. Man, I wanted to put my guy Jimmy Garoppolo here, but off talent wise, I wanted to put Trevor Lawrence here. And there was probably a couple quarterbacks that maybe I could have, maybe I couldn't. Do I put Tua? Do I put Carson? Do I put Mac Jones? Who, who do I put right here? Damn sure ain't putting Jalen Hurts. Ain't putting Daniel Jones. Ain't putting, you know, all these other average, below average quarterbacks there. But I felt the need to put Trevor Lawrence because I still think talent-wise, he is very, very good. I, I can respect the thought process on it. He definitely wasn't a top 15 quarterback last year. But, hey, maybe he makes that jump this year. I think he has the talent too, for sure. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but um, we can, we can move off quarterbacks. There you go. And if you have any other opinions about the quarterback, make sure you comment, like subscribe and get in the comment section and tell us about what do you think about each of our rankings? Get on Zach. I encourage y'all to get on Zach because uh, let's move on here. Let's move on to pass rushers. Our favorite position, right? Pass rushers. Zach. Hopefully there's no – Do we want to let him go first? I, I, I'm going it's to. He's the bold. guest. We're going to let him go very first, bold. man. Look, if you're on something, let me know right now. Are you on something before you before you go? No, I am not on anything. Okay. You're not drinking a gallon of water or anything to flush something out of your system? All right. Go no, ahead. No. I got um, you, man. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> so without further ado, this is my top 15. Number one, we got Miles Garrett. Number two, I've got T.J. Watt. I was actually debating on putting him at number one. It's pretty close, pretty close in my opinion. Number three, I've got Nick Bosa. At number four, I've got Von Miller. At number five, I, I put this guy way too high. I know it right now. But uh, Chandler Jones, I've got him at number five. And six, I've got Max Crosby. Seven, I've got Joey Bosa. Eight, I've got Shaq Barrett. Number nine, I've got Trey Hendrickson. Number 10, I've got Hassan Reddick. Number 11, I've got Micah Parsons. Number 12, I've got Khalil Mack. 
13, I've got Yannick Ngakwe, our own Colts' own edge rusher. Number 14, I've got Rashawn Gary. And number 15, I've got Harold Landry. Me personally, I would probably have Harold Landry a little bit higher, honestly. If, if I was I'm thinking being about straight it. up. I was thinking about it, honestly. Like he's he's really pretty good. So I mean I, the big the big thing with edge rushers though is that group from like eight to like twenty-four is like yeah. so freaking close. Like there's gonna be a lot of those guys that you're in that I don't include, but they were all guys I was thinking about. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll go ahead and run through mine. Um, one and two is really, really close. I ended up going TJ Watt at one, Miles Garrett at two, but you find me on a different day and it might be different. They're, they're, they're both ridiculous. Um, I'm three. I'm a little higher on than you. I have Joey Bosa at three. I have Nick Bosa at four. So back-to-back Bosa's and at five, I have Chase Young. So back-to-back-to-back Ohio State Buckeyes. Um, at six, I have Brian Burns. Really like Brian Burns. Seven, I have Micah Parsons. Eight, I have Max Crosby. Nine, I have Khalil Mack. Ten, I have Zadarius Smith. At 11, I have Chandler Jones. At 12, I have Shaq Barrett. At 13, I have Daniel Hunter. At 14, I have Cameron Jordan. And at 15, I have Trey Hendrickson. Um, and like I said, that when, when I got to eight – there was a good 15 guys that I probably considered. It, it was, it was, it, it's tough. It, we're in a deep edge rusher realm right now. Um, and I could see a lot of those guys moving down my list as the year goes on, but that, that's what I got it right now. All right. So listen, I do want to say you did mention Daniil Hunter. I do not have him on my list because just for me personally, I want to see what you've done for me lately. And he did not play this past season. So for, for me, that just eliminates him from, from the conversation until we see, you know, a month of play from him this season. And now, for, just for me personally, he can enter into that conversation again. But my rankings are number one, T.J. Watt. Number two, I'm going Joey Bosa. I'm going to go Joey Bosa at number two because I think without – Did Miles injury, Garrett swing a helmet at you or something? Like, what was wrong? I sure hope he didn't. Um, but – He's well, probably thinking about for it. One, for, for one, he went to Texas A&M. So you're already, you're already down on my list. Uh, but for Joey, I just think stopping the run, just a little bit more sexier for me personally. Pass rushers, oh, man, I, I, I'm going to give some love to Joey because I think in overall, I, I, I would take Joey over Miles. Now, again, you could flip these guys two, three, however the case you may see it. Putting Joey at one might be going a little too much, but I really love me some Joey Bosa, man. Number three, I got Miles Garrett. For all we know, he's got many talents, swinging helmets, you know, putting quarterbacks on the ground, swinging helmets at quarterbacks. Uh, we already know what he represents, man. Went to Texas A&M, so really not that uh, fantastic, but he's all right. You know, number four, got to give love to my guy, Chase Young. Love him, love him, love him in Washington. Uh, unfortunately, had an ACL tear this last year. Had a really good uh, rookie year. Popped off year two. Was go- He was on a good trajectory, but unfortunately, the injury halted things. Number five, Nick Bosa. This guy, 
Got love for him, man. Not as big as Joey, but a little bit faster. Joey relies, you know, strength and speed. Nick relies on technique and speed. I mean, this dude is good. I got him at uh, number five. Number six is going to be Max Crosby. The year that he just had, man, the, the growth has just been coming and coming and coming year after year. Got to give him love. Number seven, I'm going to go Brian Burns. A lot of people probably don't even know who he is. He plays in Carolina. If they were any good, people will probably know more about him. But anything you, anytime you hear about Carolina, Sam Darnold's name is not too far behind it, unfortunately. But Brian Burns is very good. And he warrants being on this list at number seven. Number eight, I got to put Micah Parsons there. Uh, what he did in his rookie year was special. It, it was special. It, it, early on in his draft process, he was just so elite at the line of scrimmage, stopping the run, rushing the passer. Dallas did a smart thing. Dan Quinn did a smart thing, putting him as a stand-up linebacker, rushing the quarterback, because why the hell are you dropping an athlete like that in coverage? Why the hell would you do that when he can go get you 11 and a half sacks took him in too his long. rookie year? So took, took him too long to let him rush the Right, bathroom. took him way too long. So uh, got to put him there. At number nine, I got Khalil Mack. He's still Khalil Mack. Falling off just a little bit as he gets older, but there's still something there that warrants him being number nine on this list. Going to L.A., going to the Chargers, teaming up with Joey Bosa, who I have at number two, maybe that helps him a little bit more because of Chicago. We know there wasn't too much, but now they got Flus and Alkadi Muhammad. So now that whole franchise is taking another huge step forward. Yeah, right. Um, so at number 10, or at number 10, got to go with Harold Landry. He, he was, you know, I talked with uh, Destin. If he was somehow hit the open market this past free agency, I would have given him a blank check. I love this guy so much. Even though he's a Tennessee Titan, I love him. I really love him. The jump that he made was solid. Destin, you and I had this conversation earlier in the year that they were doing a lot of things with him. But finally, kind of like what we just said about Micah, they finally said, just go get the passer. Go get the quarterback. And they finally did that. And look at him. Got 12 and a half sacks, went off in the playoff game against Cincinnati, and got a huge contract. I love him personally. I personally wish he was on the Colts. Fortunately, that is not the case. Matt Pryor will shut him down this, this season, though. So, got love for you, Harold, but Matt Pryor will get you straight. Okay. But anyways, at number 11, I got uh, Shaq Barrett solid guy uh actually spoke with him i had a chance to sit down with him and talk some mavericks on a show one time stand-up guy great um uh, very intellectual very very intelligent at number 12 i'm gonna go with trey hendrickson obviously if you were following us last year you heard us talk about trey hendrickson was that year that last year in new orleans was it a one-year wonder obviously it wasn't got to the super bowl was a big part of that on that defensive line Number 13, I'm going to go to Darius Smith. I, I liked what he's he's done alongside his brother in, in Green Bay. Obviously, he's not there anymore, but Darius Smith does a lot of things well. Number 14, I'm going to go with our guy Yannick Ngakwe. I, I just think he is has one of the better pass rushing rates in the last three, four years or so. 
He's good. He plays in a great scheme at a great position. I got to go with him at 14, obviously. And number 15, this was hard. Number 15 was hard. So the two guys I was choosing between was Hassan Reddick and Randy Gregory because he really came back in Dallas, Randy Gregory, uh, and really revitalized himself. Obviously, there was a huge mess with his contract between him and Dallas. Ended up going to Denver. And we'll see what that combination of Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb is going to be like in Denver. But I ended up going with Hassan Reddick because I've just seen a lot more consistency. There hasn't been all these issues with marijuana, PEDs, no suspensions. For that, I got to go with Hassan at number 15. So uh, before we close this show out, guys, do y'all have anything to say about that list? I mean, Miles Garrett not being top two uh, seems criminal. Um, I like Joey Bosa too. Miles um, Garrett and TJ Watt, I think, are just tier one by themselves. Yeah. Um, so that's the big thing. Like I said, I thought I thought you guys were going to include somebody that I didn't because I thought I really hard about including Matthew Judon. Um, mm. Ended up not including him. I feel like in New England, it's really him and not much else going on. So I'm nervous that that presence is going to take him off that top 15 realm so that's why i left him off but i thought you guys would i really because i think a lot of people would put him as a consensus top 15 guy i I just couldn't do it myself honestly like the way the edge rushers are in this in the nfl you alluded to it destin like eight through 18 are pretty there's no consensus right but i think what you'll find is like in that top five or six you're gonna have a lot of consensus so it was nice to see that everyone's list was pretty similar for the most part. Yeah. I wanted to think outside the box, though. Don't get me wrong. Again, yeah, like yeah. I said, Zach, you had Harold Landry a little too low for my yeah. liking. So, obviously, I backed that up by putting well, him at uh, – Harold Landry wasn't in mine at all. So, pro- I probably deserve it. <laughs> like I said, yeah. he, it just – it's so close. I, I went with the guys I preferred a little bit, but – it's a tough list. Um, I, let's, I'm shocked Al-Qadim Muhammad didn't slide in for anybody. Oh, goodness gracious. That's how you know it's time to end the show. But before we close <laughs> it out, guys, doesn't it feel good to talk about top edge rushers and have a guy on the Colts to talk about? Doesn't At least in the conversation. Nice? Yeah. At least in the conversation. At in least that. in the conversation. Doesn't that feel nice? Yeah, History in the last – for the last 10 years, we finally have someone we can talk about on the edge and feel proud of, not fake proud. You know what I mean? Um, other than that, guys, I think that does it for this show. It went on a little bit longer, maybe for our liking. I don't know. I truly appreciate for you guys that actually stuck it out and watched through this entire show. Uh, for that, guys, make sure you, you leave a like on this video on YouTube. You subscribe. We're on the road to 1K right now. I think we're at like 615 right now. So, guys, we would really appreci- appreciate it if we could get that love, support, and get us to 1,000 subscribers. And then we'll, you know, start the next to, to 2K. You know what I mean? But other than that, guys, uh, it's the off season. you know, training camps itching a little bit closer getting a little bit closer and i can't wait to see the guys get the pads on obviously preseason i just want to go through that quick because there's a lot of crazy takes in preseason obviously we had to entertain ourselves with jacob easton versus sam ellinger last year 
But what's it going to be this year? Isaiah Rogers versus, versus Brandon Fashion, Sam Ellinger versus Nick Foles. What's it going to be this time? But other than that, guys, any closing remarks from you guys? One guy that we, we kind of glossed over on our edge rushers is Max Crosby. Like, I know I've talked about it before, but with Yannick Ngakwe and Indy, don't don't be surprised if we're talking about Quiddy Pay in this in this list next year. I, I'm serious. I think he is potentially going to be a top 15 pass rusher if his development goes the don't, right way. Don't I like it. Me, don't tempt me with a good time now, Zach. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, Zach. Uh, we will definitely look forward to having you on again, man. Again, yeah, thanks for having if me. If you on. guys aren't already, Zach's uh, link to his Twitter account is in the description on youtube go on youtube and find that and if you find if you do find it hopefully you should give him a follow on twitter he is the lead writer of the blue stable uh newly tease, named lead writer. Your, uh... it actually it was actually a privilege to name him the lead writer he's he's done a great job for us and i thought he was uh, very deserving of it so and... real quick zach teaser what, what, what's the next article we should expect from zach so the next article you guys should be expecting. So as many camps are going on right now, we're going to recap those and uh, be, be keep an eye on uh, uh, some takes on the AFC South though. I'm going to have some takes on the AFC South. We'll see that. We'll see. I don't want to see the takes on the NFC East after you had Dak Prescott at number seven. I've, other than that guys. And like he said, if y'all want to go check out the blue stable and check out the articles that we have pumping by great writers that we have at the Blue Stable. Check that out again. He is Zach Shankerman. He is Destin Adams. I am Michael Pevia. Make sure you are tuned in again next week for the next episode of the Blue Stable Podcast. We'll see you later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.